Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, a podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. This, my friends, is episode number 451, and I am your host, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. In this week's episode, we are going to continue the conversation from last week, and I don't know how I feel about this. Actually, I do know how I feel about this. I hate to say this to you, but if you're tuning in for the very first time, this is one of the very few times, and it might even be the only time I've ever said this. I'm not, no, maybe it's, it, maybe this might be the second time, but if you're brand new to listening to this podcast, you really want to go back and listen to last week's episode or just go back to episode number 450 because this is a two-part series, if you will. It's one conversation that happened over the course of two hours where I was a guest on Ray Edwards' podcast. Now, Ray is a very good, wonderful friend of mine. It's all explained in the opening of episode number 450, and I hate to say that to you guys, but really, if you haven't listened to episode 450, you want to just hit stop right now, go back and listen to that one, and then come back here for the conclusion of our conversation, which by the way, since I just assume that you will have done that, I'm just going to jump right in and say, here is the rest of that conversation. And if you haven't listened to the first part of this conversation, which took place last week, as far as you're concerned, but We just paused for about 10 seconds as far as Cliff and I are concerned. I just picked up right where we left off. We were just uh, talking about, Cliff, your journey with Hamilton and thinking through your 20-year plan for what you wanted your life to look like, how much money you wanted to make, uh, what things were important to you. And then you've come to a kind of a new place in your life where some of those goals that you shared so publicly, some of those ambitions that you shared so publicly, there's been from where I sit, there's been a, something of a shift. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Last week, you had mentioned something about not being so tied to the outcomes. Can you cover that again so that I can actually jump right off of that one? Sure. What I was saying was, I think it's important. Well, this is a good place for me to say, I said earlier in the first interview that I think five-year plans, I didn't say it exactly this way, but I think five-year plans are BS. And you can let that stand for whatever you want it to. I'll, I'll give you a safe out, a, a belief system. They're just a belief system. That's, that's really not what I was thinking, but for those of you who need a, a safe way to think about it, that's what BS means. Um, because here's what I experienced. When I was in business in the corporate world, I used to be the guy pounding the desk saying, we need a five-year plan. And what I noticed over time was they were always wrong and nobody ever referred to them after we put them in a nice binder and had them on the shelf or we put them on a plaque on the wall. We had our five-year journey. They never worked out. But... Now, here comes another Star Trek reference. What was the five-year mission of the Starship Enterprise? To boldly go where no man had ever gone before. And that soon became more politically correct, and it became to boldly go where no one has ever gone before. And there's two camps of thought on that change. But their mission was to seek out new life and new civilizations, right? To explore, to discover. That was their mission. It wasn't to get to Antares Three by June 3rd, Start date 2564.2. For those of you who are, this is not resonating with, let me try another analogy. My point was, it's important to have a general, I believe, somewhat ambiguous goal for the future that you're pointed towards, but be flexible enough 
to realize you're not married to that outcome. You're not so slavishly devoted to that specific outcome that you ignore what crops up along the way because that is what forms the fabric of your life. Those are the threads that weave together into the fabric of your life. Just like with Alexander Hamilton, who did not start out thinking he would be the first secretary of treasury of the United States of America. He just started out knowing that there was something more that he could do with his life. And he took the next right step to do that. I love that. Intentionally leave it ambiguous. Otherwise, you become too married to the exact outcomes. So to answer your question, one of the things that I had said in last week's interview, I had mentioned that I had created what I want my life to look like in 20 years. I answered the four questions like, how much money am I making? And exactly how am I making it? What products and services are generating that. I mean, it was is very detailed. And not only that, but I asked myself another question. How do I want to be known? Mm-hmm. One of those things that I quote unquote got married to was that I wanted to be known for something beyond the scope of podcasting and podcast answer man. And this goes back to ties into last week when you talked about typecasting and Mr. Spock yes. and William Shatner. I, I didn't want to be typecasted as the podcast answer man. I almost felt like my calling in life is not podcast answer man. If anything, it's the encouraging others through, and I'll say it here, the encouraging others through Christ man, but it, you know, encouraging others through content if that makes you feel better. But the idea is that I want to encourage people. I want to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire others based upon my life experience, the things that I'm learning, And I want to use all of that to help other people so that they can benefit from what I've learned from, that I come alongside them, encourage them, and inspire them to take everything they're doing in life to the next level so that they can become more of the person that God's created them to be. That's what I want to be known for. And so what happened was, while I'm putting this out, what do I want to be known for? I kept saying, today, everybody's like, who is Clifford? Oh, he's the, he's the guy who can teach you how to do a podcast. And then my email is every day filled with hundreds of emails. Cliff, I have a quick question for you. I've got this mixer and I want to do a Skype thing and I want to be on the road and I have this microphone. What cables do I need and how do I hook it up? And don't you get so excited when those questions come in? Don't I get, you just like, I, you can't, I can't wait to answer that. Well, it, it, you know, and it wouldn't be so bad if, if it was one or two or three a week. I would love to spend the 25 to 45 minutes clearly spent answering an adequate answer to that. I just can't keep up with them. And, it, and the thing is, though, Ray, is, is I have to respond to all of those in polite ways that, that allow me to, I, I can't give them the detailed answer that they want, but I'm, I still respond to everyone. But boy, I so wish somebody says, would say, Cliff, I just listened to this episode and you mentioned this and, you know, I, I just, I'm just ready to give up. It's just not worth it anymore. And I would love to take somebody, and what I mean by give up, I'm talking about stop their podcast. Okay. I'm not talking about life. <laughs> All okay. Right. And, Thanks for clarifying. And and in fact, to give you a perfect example of this, podcastanswerman.com slash 448. Podcastanswerman.com slash 448. This is episode number 448 of my podcast, and it's titled Getting Past Episode Number 7. And this is a student who just graduated from my $2,000 podcasting course. After her fifth episode, she writes to me and says, Cliff, I'm throwing in the towel. It's been five weeks 
I asked somebody to listen to it. Granted, they're not in my target audience, but they listened to my podcast and I asked them for some feedback and they told me that I wasn't entertaining, that I was boring and all these other things. And she's like, you know what? This is just too much work. I, I, I can't move forward. I'm done. Wow. After this five a episodes. Is a friend that she sent this request to? I think it might've been a friend. Yeah. Wow. Nice friend. Yeah. Here's what I can tell you. If anybody wants to, to hear the way that I'm wired and what I feel called to do in life, I believe God has given me the gift of encouragement to come alongside someone who has told me, and I'm going to read for you word for word what she told me in the first week of our of my podcasting A to Z course. I said, I need you to explain to me before we talk about anything else, I need to know your clear reason why you want to create this podcast because what you don't know is how much hard work is going to go into this and how it's you're pretty much going to be horrible at it first and it's going to take you're going to need a big enough reason why to get you moving forward and so her response was and I'm reading this word for word my life's mission and purpose of my podcast is to share my experience strength and hope around recovery from compulsive spending to help others who feel powerless over the obsession to buy shop and spend wow and she's telling me that after five episodes which by the way are pretty darn amazing for her first five episodes you can check it out i can't stop spending.com she has one of the best websites of any podcaster i've ever seen who's just launched a podcast incredible investment in this and she's doing an amazing job and she says my life's mission and the purpose of this podcast is to share my experience to encourage and help other and empower people who feel powerless over this that's my life's message mission and she's telling me that after five weeks we're talking she's already invested if you include equipment and if you include the cost of my training and you include the website and artwork she's got at least four or $5,000 invested in this. And after five episodes, she's telling me, I'm throwing in the towel. I quit. Now, I love that question. Give me that question any day of the week because yeah. this isn't about the nuts and bolts and wires and cables. This is, and th- by the way, this isn't even about podcasting. This no. question. No. This question is, can you have, can you have a life's mission and purpose and just give up the first sign of somebody telling you they're not so excited about what you're doing. And so what I'm hearing you say is your your mission, the way you're wired, is to encourage people and help them see why, remind them of their why, and encourage them to keep going. Exactly. I want to get them to ask the question, who am I created to be? Not that they're going to have a clear picture right out of the gate. She at least told me, my life's mission is to do this. And she didn't say my life's mission is to podcast. She said my life's mission is to do this. And so, okay, let's start there. Now, how do we accomplish this? And where are you today? And what are the opportunities for you to live out that mission and that purpose? And you say that you want to do it through a podcast. I'm here to help you through that. That's cool. But when she came to me and says, I'm ready to give up after episode number five, what I didn't tell you is she says, so I'm having an identity crisis and I'm not sure I should be doing this particular podcast now. And she also says, and by the way, I think I'm just going to completely go in a different direction and create a podcast about something completely different. Uh-huh. And I, I haven't heard this episode yet. I will because I listen to every episode of your show. But I have, a, I have a guess at what you told her. Yeah. And what you told her was, good. 
People are going to be upset by what you have to say. They are going to criticize you. And that's great. Did you tell her something like that? I did tell her that. What I'm saying though, Ray, is that when I actually had the wedding ceremony to the 20 year vision. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. I've been on the honeymoon with this 20 year mission. The outcome that I was married to is that I need to break free from the nuts and bolts podcast answer man guy. When people ask me, Cliff, who are you? I'm a guy who teaches people how to podcast. No, I I can't let that be the answer that I give to anyone anymore. I need to say, well, I'm, by golly, I'm the next Tony Robbins. There you go. I said it. (laughs) Well, what's interesting about that is Tony Robbins is constantly, I've been listening very closely to his interviews lately. He's constantly correcting people who say, and here's motivational speaker, Tony Robbins. And his response is, look, I appreciate you saying that, but I'm so much more than a motivational speaker. I'm a peak performance coach I've consulted with. And he goes into this long explanation about all the great things that he does, which are all true. But he doesn't apparently want that label of being, quote, just a motivational speaker. What happened was I set this 20-year vision and I'm like, what do I want to be known for was a very specific question I asked myself. And I'm like, okay, it's very clear that I don't want to be known. I don't want the first thing that comes to people's minds is the podcast answer man. I started to think, okay, if I'm going to reverse engineer, how do I get there? I need to start making decisions today that help me break free from that typecast. If you will go back to last week's episode, it's time for me to write that, hey, I am not Mr. Spock. And that's what I did. I boldly proclaimed to my audience, I actually, it's kind of funny. I said, I am still the podcast answer man, but this is now the Cliff Ravenscraft show. I changed the branding, the name of my podcast just because I didn't want, I I wanted my podcast to not be typecasted as a podcast that's going to talk about your nuts and bolts answers to every question you have about podcasting. My podcast is not just, it, it is a, it is a podcast about podcasting, but it is not only a podcast about, it is a podcast that is devoted to helping you take your message, your business and your life to the next level. And I know all that to be true already. The reason why I had this issue is that I was creating this content for the first, uh, by the way, there are, as we, as I mentioned that my most recent episode, 448, there are 448 episodes of that show. All right. (laughs) And the first 200 or so, all answering questions about podcasting. It's, It's called podcast answer man. And the reason why it was called Podcast Answer Man is because I wanted people to know that if you have questions about podcasting, this is where you come to get your answers. That was the mission, the purpose, and the vision of the show from day one. In fact, you could listen to the first episode. It says, my reason for creating this podcast because I'm still doing this as a hobby. And my dream is that in within five to ten years, I'd be able to do podcasting full time. And I, and I believe that a part of that's going to be through podcast coaching and consulting. And so if you're interested in hiring me, here I am. And in less than a year, I was doing it full time. But that's what the first 200 or so episodes is, was me answering questions about podcasting. So I developed a very large and loyal audience who came to expect that every episode is going to be me answering questions about podcasting. And we're talking about technical nuts and bolts and the the ins and outs of all the newest, latest technology and fads and all these other services. Cliff, I heard Ringer. I've heard of Audetto. Can you tell us what you think about SoundCloud? And I'm like, I care less about any of those things. There's tons of options. There's going to be new ones. 
I can tell you what I'm using, what has worked for the last 10 years, what is going to continue to work as far as I can see into the future. And if it doesn't work, that's when I'm going to try something different. And I'll, I'll give you step-by-step tutorials on how to change everything I changed. Let's just move forward. This isn't about the technology. It's about what we do with the technology. And some people didn't like that. And so I started to see over the last couple of years, Ray, I started to see lots of one-star ratings in iTunes with written reviews. It says, don't even bother is the title of the of the review. And then below it says, this podcast does not live up to its name. The host of the show very rarely ever talks about podcasting. He only talks about himself and his own journey all the time. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I started listening to your show before I knew you so that I could learn the technical aspects of podcasting. So you had this nice little directory of episodes and you have this tutorial and all this stuff that told me the answers that I wanted to hear. And whenever I had a specific question, I could, I knew I could go to your website and just search for it and find the episode where you answer the question. And I grew tired of the episodes that were all about podcasting technology. I liked the other stuff. So when you started transitioning to that, I was so happy because I was like, I, honestly, Cliff, I used to fast forward through the, here's how you hook up the wires for a mix minus what, whatever that thing was. Yep. I set it up, but I don't know how I did it. Because after it's done, it's just a tool to me. It's just a detail. And uh, the tools and details change. But I, what I loved was the, the inspiration, the encouragement, the insight into why you were doing what you were doing. That's what I loved. And I certainly had a core audience that is right there with you. And I would say that overall, 60% of my audience were right there with you. The interesting thing, though, Ray, is about 80% of my audience already had an existing podcast. They did not need any help launching a podcast or starting a podcast because they had already learned from me and my resources how to launch one. Right. If I create episodes that, quote unquote, appeal to those people who only want the nuts and bolts stuff, only 20% would it apply to. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to create content specifically for 20% of your audience. Right, especially not when you have a fantastic free tutorial on your site that tells everybody everything they need to know to get started with a great podcast. And the URL for that is what? Learnhowtopodcast.com. Bar none, you can just stop searching for other tutorials. This one is the one. I promise you, I've looked at all of them. This is the one that you want. You know, there's something that you said that triggered a thought for me, and that was, about people asking the specific, like, what equipment are you using? What cable are you using? What microphone are you using? And those things change over time. It reminds me of, I saw a documentary recently about Pedro Guerrero, who was the photographer for Frank Lloyd Wright. He was of Mexican descent, and he grew up in Arizona, and he became a photographer by accident because there was no other class available in the college where he went to school. So he took a photography class and he went to Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, Taliesin West. Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous architect who built so many iconic homes and buildings and who Ayn Rand based her character of Howard Rourke on in the book, The Fountainhead. He just said to Frank Lloyd Wright, would you like a photographer, somebody to take pictures of your buildings? And they formed this lifelong relationship and Guerrero became like he was catapulted from obscurity to the top of the photography world. He worked for Vogue magazine, for The New Yorker, for all these famous publications. And he went back to work again and again for Frank Lloyd Wright. And they had an interchange. I was watching this biography of uh, Guerrero. They had this famous interchange where they used to have a joke because people would ask Frank Lloyd Wright, Mr. Wright, what kind of pencil do you use to draw your plans? And Wright would say, it's not about the pencil. It's about the man. And so the joke between the two of them was, 
Wright would say to Guerrero, Pedro, what kind of camera do you use to take your photographs? And Pedro's response was, Mr. Wright, it's not about the camera. It's about the man. And that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so what happened was I found that I, I was trying to move towards that 20-year identity where I'm not immediately known as the podcast answer man, but I'm known as somebody who entertains, is known for educating people, who encourages and inspires people to seek out what their true identity and purpose in life is, and then to take everything they're doing one step at a time always taking what they're doing to the next level so that ultimately each day they're moving closer and closer to becoming all that they were created to be. That's what I wanted to be known for. It'd be cool if people still quote unquote remembered the days when I helped thousands of people launch podcasts. That's great. But what if that's just a part of my history at that point? You know, it's what launched me into this other thing. And so I started to work towards the idea of, of breaking free from that typecast I made some steps and moves in that direction and my heart inside, it's like something's not right. I know that people gave me advice against this about doing this and I originally decided to follow their advice and then I decided to forget their advice and and move away from the podcast Answer Man brand as, as you know, in, in my first step and then I'm like, you know what? The more I think about this, I think that just like what Leonard Nimoy said, he wrote the book, I Am Not Spock, but then he later wrote, I am Mr. Spock. That's where I am now at. I'm coming to the fact that I can't say for certain that I will always have the primary identity of the podcast answer man, but I can tell you right now, the right thing for me to do is to fully embrace that that's what I'm currently known for, and until there's a reason for it not to be, it is the greatest opportunity to help me achieve what it is I most want to do, which is to encourage people like Susan B., who says, I'm about ready to give up after episode five. Yes. This is so powerful, and I, I encourage you, as you listen to this, you're probably going to want to go back and listen to these two episodes again, not because of me and not even really because of Cliff, no dishonor intended Cliff, but because... This is a, I believe, a universal message about our hardwired needs as human beings. And I'm, I'll refer to Tony Robbins again, who had an insight. I don't know that he would say this. I believe that God inspired this insight in Tony Robbins, who's a consummate student of human psychology. And I think Tony, the way I've heard him tell it was he was looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs which starts at the bottom with our survival needs. And once all those are met, you get to the top, which is the, the top need, according to Maslow, is self-actualization, which I personally don't think is true because I believe that our actualization doesn't come through self. It comes through God. Now, you don't have to agree with that, but here's a model that maybe is more palatable to you if you don't. And Tony identifies the six, what he calls the six human needs. And he says they are in order... Number one, certainty. So we want to know that we're safe, that we're okay, that we're going to be able to eat. We're not going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Number two, we want variety. We, if, we're, if we're so satiated with certainty, we know exactly what's going to happen every day. We know exactly how much money we're going to make. We know when we're going to retire. We know where we're going to live. We know everything that's going to happen. We would be what? Bored. 
bored out of our skull. We want variety. This is why people have, I believe, midlife crises because they're bored. So they want a new car or a new wife or a new husband or, you know, something new. So they do stupid things to get out of their boredom or, or a new brand or a business opportunity. Yeah. Guilty and forgiven at the same time. So Tony talks about how these first four needs are in direct conflict with one another. And they're not, it's not really conflict. It's balance. So we need certainty and we also need variety. We want a good balance between certainty and the unexpected in a way that's healthy. And then the next two needs are number three, significance. We want to know that we matter. And I don't believe this is ego. I believe this is the way God made us. Tony doesn't say that. I, I say that. And then the fourth need is because I believe it balances significance. Again, it's love and connection. So you can't be Mr. Crazy Ego person if you're also deeply wired to need. These are not desires. These are not things we just want that would be nice. We all need all of these things. We need love and connection. And so we need to be significant. We need to be seen and heard and acknowledged. And we need love and connection. And those two balance one another out. And so I think that this whole drive for significance thing that what we worry about, especially as believers, faithful people, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Jewish, or I have friends who are atheists who struggle with the same thing. Like I want to be significant, but I don't want to be an egotistical weirdo. I think that the, the reason for that is we, I personally think Cliff, we are born with a desire for, to be something more, to be something great, to be something astonishing because that's how God made us. And for me, the quote that defines the context of this comes from C.S. Lewis who wrote, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Hmm. That is what I think is driving us. That That's that inside feeling of I'm meant for something more than this. The something more might be that you are going to deeply minister to and help your aging parents as they live out their final days on earth. That may be the thing. It may be as a pastor that you're not going to be the pastor of a mega church. It may be that you're going to be the minister of a congregation of seven in the hills of Southeast Kentucky. Or it may not be that you're going to run a billion dollar enterprise. It may be that you're going to operate a copy shop in a small town of 5,000 people and you make photocopies for people, but you encourage them. You make their day, you brighten their life. So it's not about achieving external things to give you value. It's because you have value that you end up achieving things. They're a, a, an end result. And then the, the last two needs of the six human needs, as I get off this rabbit trail, it's not a rabbit trail. It's really important. Yeah. The last two needs are growth. For us to be fulfilled, the first four needs are like basic. You must satisfy these needs. And then the last two needs are, and you will, those first four needs, by the way, everybody satisfies them somehow. Some people make good choices about how to satisfy the need for certainty and variety. And some people make poor choices. The same for significance and love and connection. But the last two needs are where we get our fulfillment from. And they are growth is need number five and contribution is need number six. So to be part of something bigger than yourself and to grow and, and make the most of your potential. So I think that's the explanation for why we have this feeling that we, we're destined for something greater and we constantly want to be growing. We don't want to stagnate because in, in biology and life, you're either growing or decaying. You're decaying, you're dying. So this, I, I know this is going to be a roundabout way to get here, but so you came to this point in your journey where you abandoned the slavish marriage to the 20 year plan. Yep. 
but you still have goals and things that you want to accomplish and you've identified what you're, why you've re you've reaffirmed you've taken your vows again <laughs> to the marriage, to your why your real why, where does the blue smoke of selfishness come into this story? I love that. <laughs> The blue smoke of selfishness. Um, that you're referring to a conversation that Wayne Jacobson and uh, Brad Cummings had on a podcast called The God Journey, I assume. Yes. How did you know? Because I just recently listened to that episode myself. Yes. And I did for the first time listen to Wayne Jacobson on hearing you talk about this episode. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Some of it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm going to have to go listen to it and hear what they said. Yeah. So share about that a little if you would. Well, it's it's this talk of uh, ambition that you know this this idea of move that we have this constant feeling like we need to do something to be significant in life. Specifically, there are some people who struggle with the idea of performance in that we have to do or be something for God. And the idea is that you know what God doesn't need you to do anything to be pleased with you, and you're significant just by the fact that God created you. So you don't have to do anything to be significant. You have to believe that you're significant. Yeah. It's a gift that's given to you. But to receive a gift, I mean, if you refuse it, then you don't have it. Exactly. Last week, I talked about episode 624 of my old podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life which could be found at podcastanswerman.com slash 20 years, 20-Y-E-A-R-S. In that episode, I talked about what, I want, what I'd like my life to look like because it's so far out. I'm like, okay, I don't want to undershoot this thing. So I'm going to dream big. There's big dollar figures on there. I'm going to speak to large audiences. And at some point, I see myself potentially speaking in front of a stadium full of forty to 50,000 people. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, who do you think you are? Exactly. Who do I think I am? And I'm like, man, those, those are some pretty radical things. And part of me thinks, well, gosh, if I've made it there, if I, if I attain that level and I have the opportunity and the privilege to do that, and that many people would come there and they would have any desire to hear anything, that I, then I must have achieved some level of significance, you know, or, or something like that. Mm. I, I, and, and the funny thing is, Ray, is, is that I'm certainly not at that place today. And what I'm coming to is two things. Number one, I don't need to speak on a stage and in front of a stadium of forty to 50,000 people to be significant and to have an impact in this world. And the other thing is, is that I can honestly say at this very moment in time and my mindset and my, you know, my clarity of, of my identity in God and Christ jumps all over the place depending on certain things. You know, I, I little, a little wishy-washy and... And, and how I feel God's viewing me. But at this very moment in time, I can tell you right now that I'm confident that I'm worthy of standing on front of a stage in front of 40 to 50,000 people at this very moment in time to deliver a powerful message that I believe people need to hear. I already have that significance. Yes. And it's not because of who I am. It's not of anything that I've achieved. It's, it, if God desires to put me in that situation... That's enough. The interesting thing is that I don't know that I ever really thought to myself, I desire to speak in front of a stadium of forty to 50,000 people because really I don't. 
Oh, I, I did. I'm just going to confess and I, tell you that I did. I can tell you that there is an appeal to having the clout that says, yeah, I've spoken to audience of 40 to 50. I'd like the bragging rights that go along with it. And I'd like the aura of success that would surround that. I, I'm, I'm enticed by some of those things. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm just going to be transparent. I wasn't enticed by it. I was obsessed with it. I, w- I felt like if I don't get to, if I don't become more famous than Tony Robbins, if I don't become more wealthy, then I never, aspi- I never believed I could be more wealthy than Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. So that may say something in itself. But I had my targets picked out. If I can't become that wealthy, if I, can, if I don't have this kind of impact, if people don't remember my name, if the world doesn't know my name, then I have failed. That's how I used to feel. If the history books don't write about, if you if people need to be reading about me in their history books in the future, that's, that's where I want to be. Exactly right. Because I, there's a million things I haven't done, but just you, just you wait. wait. I'm not going to throw away my shot. It's all back to Hamilton, isn't it? I'm being honest. I see the enticement and some of the exciting things that would go along with that. But man, I, I know what kind of preparation goes into putting together a talk for 650 people. And how much stress and anxiety I go through to try to pull off something that I think is valuable enough for that audience. And when I actually am very well known, I, I'm, I've am i actually made it to this place where I can, I am this thing. Have you ever heard of the phrase, I'm a big fish in a small pond? Oh, yes. I've actually achieved the level of success where I am a pretty big fish in a small pond yep. called the podcasting space. I get it. And if I go to a conference made up primarily of podcasters, you know, if there's a thousand people there, there's about 700 of those people that probably would love to have five to 10 minutes of my time. Oh man, it's crazy. It's like you're Beyonce or something. It's insane. And it feels weird. There's one time I went to, I was actually the director of podcasting for a major conference on social media. Mm-hmm. And when I was the director of the conference, I was responsible for everything related to podcasting. And I brought in, like, I was responsible for bringing in keynote speakers like Leo Laporte. There was one time, Ray, where I, I needed to use the restroom. And I tried, <laughs> and it had been two and a half hours, and I had not made it down to the end of the hallway yet. And this guy, his name is Matt Lovell, uh, he says, Cliff, is there anything I can do for you? Would you like me to go get you a drink? I said, would you do this thing? I've only heard about this. It's called being a handler. Could you be my handler and help me get to the bathroom? And what this means is that you kind of need to say, I'm sorry, Cliff has a place where he needs to be right now. And you're the person that's actually kind of saying he's not available at this moment in time. So I don't have to say that because I, and, and he's like, yeah, I can do that for you. And by the way, Matt Lovell is like six foot five, six foot six. He's a big guy. And so he helps me and he's like, I'm not a football guy. But he's like that guy, I'm the quarterback, I've got the football, and he's like this whole line of, you know, offense that's pushing people out of the way so that I can get to the bathroom. What happened was, we get to the bathroom, he goes, Cliff, do you need me to go in with you? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And I'm not kidding you, Ray. I walk in the bathroom, I'm on my way to use the restroom, and this guy just finished washing his hands, thankfully. And he says, Cliff Ravenscraft, (laughs) and he stops me and talks to me for 20 minutes in the bathroom. Oh, my heavens. And so I I say all of that because what I can tell you is I'm an introvert. Those social situations, while I love the adoration of people, I'm a words of affirmation guy. I love what these people say. 
But man, being in a conference with a thousand people and having that many, just a few hundred people who would love to talk to you and get your your thoughts and all these other things and some encouragement. How, how can I turn down encouraging anyone, Ray? How could I do it? I can honestly say that when I think of the idea and the prospect of one day speaking where 40 to 50,000 people actually came there to hear something that I said, I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't want that much attention because here's what I can tell you is that I, I'd, I'd probably want to make sure that in 10 to 20 years from now that my wife is traveling with me. I would want to make sure that I could break away and that we could go and have lunch together and dinner together and and have quiet and peace and and maybe go and take in an attraction. But if I'm in a town where there's, there's this event, I don't know that I want that thing where I'm walking down the road with my wife and we're having a conversation and five people come up and say, I want a selfie every three blocks that we walk down. That's the experience of so many celebrities. That's the source of when you see these stories about you know, so-and-so, the movie star, knocked some cameraman on his rear end outside a restaurant. It's not because the movie star is a jerk, probably. It's probably because they've just reached their breaking point. Yeah. They can't, they don't get privacy. So I, I totally get that. And by the way, you, you mentioned a word being a words of affirmation guy. Are you referring to a book called The Five Love Languages? I am. I, which I, I highly recommend to people. We will link to it in the show notes. In case you want to check that out. Yeah, it's, that is it's a great help, It'll be helpful to you if you're married or you want to be married or you want to stay married. This is a good book to read. It is, absolutely. I still can't shake the idea that some point down the road I might speak in front of an audience that big. And I can honestly tell you that I don't believe it's selfish ambition because I, I don't want it. I, I believe you. Uh, because I believe that you will have that moment or maybe more than one moment. I feel as though I have seen that and that it's a real vision of something that's going to happen in the future. I will not profily over you. <laughs> I love it. But uh, I feel that that's true. And I, I think that there's a point where we have to be, and I'm going to get a little biblical now, but it's okay for those of you who are not into the Bible Think of it as a storybook that has great morals that you can live your life by. It's more than that in my belief, but if you're uncomfortable by that idea, you can just think of these as good principles because they work for everybody. I believe that you need to be safe for that level of success. I think that God does his best and we have free will. We can choose to accept his help or not. I think he does his best to prepare us so that we can be safe for higher levels of success. So that I don't think he wants to give us anything that will destroy us. Yeah. And so I think that you are more and more reaching a point where you're safer and safer for higher and higher levels of success. And I, I teased, you, you look like you have a thought. I, I do. And, and I just want to say where I am today, the level of income that I have today, the, the, the opportunities that are available to me today, I'm able to have what I have today and still be rooted in at the heart of who I am and, and what I'm doing with only momentarily losing touch with my why. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that while I would have loved to be in the position that I'm in today with all the things available to me today, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, if I would have had them 10 years ago, they would have destroyed me. What I have today would have destroyed me 10 years ago. Yeah, this is what happens to child stars. This is why they come unglued because, you know, at the age of 14, they're multi 
decamillionaires. And everybody around them wants a piece of that, including many times their parents. There's nobody they can trust. There's nobody to tell them no. And they go completely off the rails most of the time. Every once in a while, one of them perseveres through that and they come out on the other side healthy and whole. And I believe this, that's because there's a deep spiritual element to their life that keeps them grounded and, and because they're extraordinary individuals. Yeah. What I wanted to share, I'll, I'll try to make this brief, but I teased, I'm not going to make it briefer than it needs to be. I teased at the end of last week's episode, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it because there's some really good stuff in there that Cliff said. And one or two things that I said that were not so bad either. But I teased about why I think it's important for you to make as much money and have as much impact as you possibly can and to live out that potential. And I believe that is actually an act of stewardship. And I know that on that episode of Wayne Jacobson's podcast, The God Journey, he talked about how oftentimes, I'm paraphrasing him now, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. But what I heard him say was, often greed and avarice and deceptiveness even are covered over in nice Christianese language that usually refers to stewardship or just stewarding the gifts that we have. Well, I think it can be abused in that way, but just because something is abused doesn't mean it's useless. I, I think we can, we can make an error in one direction and then we can overcorrect for it and make an error in the other direction as well. You have the swing of the pendulum. So the example that I like to point to about this is uh, actually in the Bible. And it's a story in the gospel of Mark. And it's about, you've heard it, I'm sure, Cliff. It's about the rich young ruler. Oh, yeah. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and his disciples and says to Jesus, what should I do that I can inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? Nobody is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And I just think it's interesting that he stopped there because he was very selective in the commandments that he named. The rich young ruler says to Jesus, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I've done all this. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I, I never remember that. It actually says that, and Jesus looked at him and loved him? Yeah, this is in the New King James Version. Okay. So it's not some, you know, like crazy, we made up the words that we wanted to say version of the Bible. That's another rabbit trail we won't go down. He says, and it's funny because when it's taught in churches, it's usually taught from the paradigm of you shouldn't have money, it'll destroy you. And they don't emphasize this, but Jesus, I'll read it for you verbatim. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And the rich young ruler, it says, was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I always, whenever I hear that, I always think, it meant he had great stuff. He had like the latest Nintendo, he had great possessions. But it, it means, of course, he was very wealthy. I think it's interesting that Jesus loved him and said this to him. And a lot of times, this is taught to, to tell people you should sell all your stuff and not have any money and give everything to the church or to charity. And only then can you enter into heaven because G, the next part is Jesus looked around and this is what gets quoted so often and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. 
It's easier it, for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's the next thing he says, because his disciples were astonished at his words. And the reason they were astonished is because in their Jewish religious culture, what they were taught in the temple was, if you have God's favor, you will be rich. And if you are rich, you must have God's favor. So I'm sure that sounds familiar to many of us. We've heard a message like that in modern society, probably on television. So they were astonished because he just turned everything they believed about what they've been taught completely upside down. He just basically said, all the stuff you've been taught in the temple is totally wrong. They were astonished and they said among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. Now, here's the interesting part. This is where it almost always stops when it's taught in church. It almost always stops there. And the moral of the story you'll be told is, you should not have riches because that'll make it hard for you to get into heaven, if not impossible. God can get you into heaven. With you, it's impossible, but with God, it's possible. But that leaves out the rest of the story, as in the next sentence. Then Peter said to Jesus, see, we have left all and followed you. In other words, we're good, right? We're all set. Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. That pretty much covers everything. For my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So without going into a big theology lesson, I'm going to give you my interpretation of what this story says. Jesus says to the rich guy, get rid of everything because it's making it hard for you to get into heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Sidebar, there's a story that preachers tell about, well, what he was saying was there was a gate called the camel's gate. And for the camel to get through it, the camel had to get on its knees to pass through. And what that means is you have to be penitent and be on your knees in order to get into heaven if you have a lot of money. That's a great story, but it's totally untrue. There was no such gate. It's apocryphal. It's totally made up. So you can erase that if you've been told that. But he says it's easier. He's literally saying it's easier for a huge animal, a camel, to pass through the eye of a sewing needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Like the rich man we just saw, one who is worshiping or in love with his stuff. But if you have left your house, your brothers, your sisters, everything you own, all the riches, if you've given up everything for me, then you get it all back. And the point of this to me is, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. It's never about the money. It's never about the recognition. It's never about the fame. It's never about the number of listeners. It's never about how many books you've sold. It's not about that. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with those things. It's about what is your treasure? What is in your heart? What do you most treasure? If it's money, then you're worshiping the God of money. If it's fame or accolades, then you're worshiping the recognition of other people. That is the problem. So I like to sum this up by... There's two, two ways I like to sum all this up, what this means to me. One is that we don't 
ever want to use people to make money. We want instead to use money to love people. Say that statement one more time. We don't want to use people to make money. We want to use money to love people. And the other way I like to sum this story up is is he's telling them that they're going to get all this stuff back is that you don't have to give away everything to follow Jesus, but you do have to give everything up. Yes. And if you're not a Jesus follower, it still applies. You can substitute your own language in there. It still works. It's a universal principle. And that is, to me, the resolution of, do I have to choose love over money? It, the, the universal way of saying it, if you're not a Jesus person, is it, you don't have to give away everything. You have to give up on having that as your primary focus and goal in life. Yeah, but exactly, because it's not about how much you have. It's about how much you help, what effect you have on other people. How you make um, people feel. Ex- exactly. I heard a wise man talk about that once upon a time. I also like to put it like this. Uh, money won't make you rich, but poverty won't make you holy. So in the light of that, whether you think I'm right or whether you think I'm wrong, how do you think that ties into the idea of we all have a certain amount of potential that God has placed within us, certain gifts and talents, and how does it relate to our responsibility to maximize that potential. Here's what I think. Responsibility and duty are two words at this moment in time that kind of get, I'm a little bit, uh, you'll learn Wayne Jacobson has the yuck meter. Okay. So that's how would, what what words would he use instead? Well, I don't, I don't know. I I think the idea, okay. So I, I don't think that we have a response responsibility or duty because that means in my own words i think of that as a it's required that we do this okay i'm with you i, I actually I don't totally like agree that. with you i don't like the language that i just used so let me rephrase it in a way that reflects what i actually believe if god has given you certain potential and capacity to achieve certain things in life what do you think are the opportunities and the potential dangers that are contained within that capacity okay we have these opportunities. We have the capacity to be all that God has created us to be. I believe God has designed us for great things. And, and I'm not meaning significance. And, 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 and Wayne Jacobson, in his podcast, he calls it scale and scope. A life of significance it can be, like you said, it could be the ministering to seven people in the hills of Kentucky. So it's not scope and scale, but it is significance. I believe God has put us all here for a purpose. I think that God desires for us to live into all that he's created us to be. I believe that that means that there are opportunities for many of us to succeed financially and and to have opportunity for money that would be able to do things that we wouldn't ever be able to do otherwise. I mean, look at the hospitals that we benefit from today and the universities over the years in the past when knowledge wasn't as immediately available via the internet today, which is a much better form of education than current state of affairs. But that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But but anyway, uh, I love this stuff, Ray. I believe that we should pursue whatever opportunities that are there 
but I don't think that it's our responsibility or duty or obligation to do so. I believe that once we uncover our identity in Christ and the grace that has been given to us as, as a gift, I believe that we could squander every opportunity and it's not going to ultimately affect the outcome eternally for us. Yes. I, I'm i so with you. I totally agree with what you just said. It's said, can you say that again? I don't know. Uh, I don't think we're recording this. I don't think that if we squander every opportunity to live into all of the things that could be available to us, to, to achieve those things that we could, if we squandered every single one of those opportunities and did nothing with them, the fact is, is that we are who we are in Christ. There was a quote in a book that you just shared with me, and I hope that I still have it right here. You cannot be under grace and not be holy any more than you can be underwater and not be wet. <laughs> so you can you are going to be holy and righteous even if you screw up every opportunity and don't achieve any of the things that God had opened up for you in this life. Now, isn't that freeing? Doesn't that take a lot of pressure off? It does. And at the same time, what I can say is that I do believe that God's giving the opportunity. Why not pursue it? Because we have the benefit of playing into God's will. Yes. God can achieve his ultimate will with or without us. Yeah. But I, I believe he's put us on this earth to be a partner in it. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I, oh, by the way, what, what book was that in case people are wondering? It's called Grace Revolution. A good friend of mine recently told me about it. <laughs> we'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's yeah. by Joseph Prince. Yeah. My friend, by the way, is Ray Edwards. He's, he gave me this book recently as a gift. But yeah, why not participate with it? Why not go? And yeah, I think there are these opportunities. And here's what I also know. What is it called? The blue smoke of selfishness? What, what did yes. it? Yes. Is that yeah. the, the blue smoke of selfishness? Yes. I think that it is possible for us to go out and try to achieve. I, I think, by the way, I think it's possible for us to go out with all the wrong motives and to be so focused on the money and to even serve the money for a period of time and and get and lose track of what you're doing and achieve great wealth and totally do things for the wrong reasons and yet still achieve a place and a station in life that gives you great opportunity in wealth to serve and help others and also influence and attention of large audiences. And even though you got there out of all the wrong motives and it was all your own blue smoke of selfishness that got you there, I still believe it's completely possible to be holy in righteousness through the whole process. And the reason why I say that is another book. It's by Brennan Manning. David Foster gave me that book as a gift, and I can't remember the name of it right now. Basically, it was Brennan Manning as an older man reflecting on his life, talked about the ministry that he had. He literally spoke in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people preaching a gospel message of Jesus Christ, having a profound positive impact in people's lives. People would tell you that their lives were changed, they were introduced to God, and it's, and and they discovered 
God's grace in a way that you could never imagine any other way, and, and he is responsible. God used him in the lives of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And what he's doing in this memoir is he's talking about the fact that he was drunk as a skunk most of those nights after he spoke. Wow. He was an alcoholic throughout most of his life, throughout most of his ministry, off and on the bandwagon. And Do you mean that God can use imperfect people who screw up that's to accomplish a, his goals? Absolutely. And, and God can use people who are right now in the moment willfully disobeying what God would want for them in their lives. Yeah, I think, I believe you're right. And I think one of the key uh, realizations I've had over the last few years is God's not mad at me. Yeah. He's, you know, I can, I can give you a list of things I've done that I think he should be mad at me about, but he's not. Yeah. And I am, oh, so glad. It, There's a, well, we've covered a wide range of, of topics. It's there's, all over the place, man. There's two quotes I want to share that have been very powerful for me that I believe to me, uh, if they, they don't tie a bow on these two conversations that we've had, which were really one conversation split in two episodes so that you could bear it. We had many things to share with you, but you could not bear it all at once. And those two quotes are, one is by St. Irenaeus who said, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And I believe that also means woman. And then the other quote is by John Piper who wrote in his book, Desiring God, he wrote, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that means we're satisfied in him, whether we're rich, or whether we're poor, whether we are, whether we abase or whether we abound, it doesn't matter. We're always content and satisfied in him because we know who we are in him. And again, if you're not a Jesus person, then I know you can relate to the fact that if you can free yourself from ambition, that the thing that causes your suffering is your desire for things outside yourself to satisfy you, to make you feel that you have some kind of worth or worthiness or value. If you can detach from those things and just be who you were made to be the best way you know how. And look at, to me, what, what we've just been talking about, Cliff, allows us the privilege to look at all these challenges and opportunities we face in life as the most incredible game we have ever played. It's fun. It's an adventure. It's, I feel so lucky to be alive. Yeah. I love that you say it's a game too, and it reminds me of the idea in, in most games you have many lives. Yes. And it reminds Wait a me minute. Of, Are you a reincarnationist? No, no, not that. I'm talking about the fact that, you know, it, you know, yes. Pac-Man, you get three lives and okay, I'm going out and I'm going in this direction. I know I've been advised not to. I'm going in this direction and I'm going to try it. And it's like, it's like, okay, start over, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to try this path instead. And I'm like, yeah, that's better. And I, and I get further along in the game. I even get to the next level and then I get to the next level and I got new challenges and, and there's, you know, the things and, and I get down, it's like, oh, I'm on my last life. And you know, the interesting thing is, Ray, is that just like all the bonuses, God gives us extra lives all the time. In fact, we have an unlimited supply of lives. It's kind of yes. like when you bring the cabinet home and your own and you and you set it up and you just set you go into the settings and it's like, you know what? Unlimited play. Yes, yes. Yes. I uh you know, I think of it sometimes like this. I think that God's like a GPS for our life. 
and he, we're, we're constantly driving off on some wrong road or something. And so I can hear him in the back of my head saying, recalculating. <laughs> recalculate. That's exactly it. Help us find a route to get where we want to go. I often explain it to people like this. I tell them, I do this because it's intentionally curiosity invoking. I say, I am a reverse paranoid. And they usually say, what does that mean? And I will lean in and say, I believe that the entire universe is conspiring to do me good. <laughs> I love that. One of the good things it's done for me is giving me a friendship with you. And I, I don't know whether this, these two episodes will uh, bring more listeners or run many of them away, but I am totally satisfied that we've had this conversation because I think it's been meaningful. I think it'll help people. And I so appreciate you and what you do, my friend. Well, there you go, my friends. That wraps up the conversation that Ray and I had where I was a guest on his podcast. And I'm so delighted that I was able to share that conversation with you over these past two weeks in my own podcast. Now, if you are new to hearing Ray's voice and you kind of liked the flavor of what you got here, I certainly want to encourage you to go and subscribe to his podcast, which is called The Ray Edwards Show. And of course, you can also learn more about Ray and what he's got going on over at his website at rayedwards.com. Just real quick note to let you know that things are going extremely well, wrapping up my first week with my students here in the 25th session of Podcasting A to Z. And I want to let you know that my next session of Podcasting A to Z is going to launch on Monday, August 1st. Now, I've not yet opened up the registration for the next session just yet. That'll be coming very shortly. If you are interested in being a part of my August Podcasting A to Z course, go ahead and send me an email, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. I will put you on a list where you'll be one of the first people notified. Just send me an email, cliff at podcastanswerman.com and put podcasting A to Z in the subject line. And with that, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level. Podcast Answer Man.